happy Christian welcome love you thank you Fleming is the sound on it's been a wonderful week hasn't it it's kind of like being speaking at the last <clears throat> meeting after all these wonderful speakers is like shoving your friend under the bus um, you know Mike is probably the funniest non-cartoon character that I know you know, and Dave Peterson, we've known him for years, just profound teaching. It's been a blessing, hasn't it? And also the, the, the Bible studies in the morning, our friend from, friends from South Africa, uh, Gavin and Colleen and the others. And, uh, and then I got a new hero the other morning, Anna Forspeich. Did you, were, any of you were there? Wow. I mean, that made my week, really. I, I was so powerfully impacted by her message and her, her way of communicating. So let me ask you a question. Who of you leave this camp with a desire to see God's kingdom come in your everyday life? Who of you is that? Okay, some of you are great. By the time we leave tonight, you will, unless you for some reason didn't think you have it, know that you have what it takes um, to walk out a kingdom life in obedience. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. I want to talk about the promise, the command, and the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Let me just start by sharing a story. And I know I always share some stories, so sometimes I share stories I've shared before. Uh, Sometimes it's a new story, but sometimes I pick old stories just because it it has a point to illustrate. But some years ago... um, Um, a general manager of a coffee shop uh, sent me an email because she had uh, heard that I was doing leadership and um, she was doing a degree in leadership and she needed to uh, interview somebody for for her paper. So so, so, uh, she asked if I would be willing to meet with her over a cup of coffee and she could ask her questions and and I would share my reflections on leadership. So we made our appointment at a Starbucks in Oslo, went there, ordered some coffee, and she started asking questions, and I shared my perspectives on leadership. Um, and um, after about an hour or so, um, I asked the, 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 the barista for the, the bill, and uh, when, when she or he was going to get that, I looked at this young lady, and I said, by the way, just before we wrap things up, do you mind if I ask you a question? And she said, sure. And she said, well, if God exists and he could do a miracle in your life, what would you want that to be? And um, I wasn't really prepared for the answer, (laughs) which, duh, as I would have said if I was a teenager. She said, that would have to be that I would have that I would be able to give my life to Jesus as Lord. It's like, what? <laughs> and uh, and I don't think she even recognized my shock, because she ha- had just finished that sentence when she said, "But that's never going to happen." So I sat down again and I said, "Tell me more. Why is that?" And then she started sharing about the shadows of her life, the things that he, she had done that were so shameful, and, and, and she didn't share all the details, but she just said, there are so, um, there's no way that I could be accepted by God. 
And um, as she was sharing, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and giving me words of, not words of knowledge, but what, what Scripture calls words of wisdom. And so I shared those words with her. And as I did, she started, you know, I could see tears coming down her cheeks. And then by the time I was finished, I looked at her and I said, do you think perhaps that maybe today, after all, would be the time, the time when you would give your life to Jesus? And she said, yes. And then we prayed and she received Jesus. Now, that doesn't necessarily happen to me every day, but it's, it's, it has to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm, sh- why I'm sharing that particular story. So what I want to look at today is the promise, the command, and the evidence of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that Jesus said when he was still with his disciples was that, I will send you a counselor, and he, would, he will teach you my ways. You know, I will go to be with my Father, but I will not leave you on your own. I will still be with you. You will know my presence through the Holy Spirit. You know? Um... And then, right before he went to be the fa- with the Father, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, and those promises have been fulfilled ever since. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Nobody can... Confess that Jesus is Lord without being moved by the Holy Spirit. Nobody confess, can confess Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, Peter was one of those, and John were some of those disciples who were there who heard these words, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So, if you move fast forward to um, Acts chapter 4, you all, you perhaps have read the, the story when, when, when Peter and, and, and John walks up to the temple and they heal this crippled guy who'd been crippled since, since birth. And he just, you know, you remember the story? He's asking for money and they say, we will, silver or gold we don't have, but what we have we'll give you. And then, you know, get up. <laughs> and the guy gets up, the man gets up and he's just dancing around. Now that offends the religious leaders, Right. So what is the next thing that happens? Well, they call the men to keep them accountable to doing this thing. And then in Acts chapter 4, you see the fulfillment of that promise that that you will receive power when you witness. So let's read that. Let me just find it. Excuse me. So Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin and they ask him this question, by by what power and what name did you do this? And then it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to cripple and asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you, by the way, crucified, 
but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then it says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which uh, we must be saved. Now that's a clear word for today, isn't it? How can people get saved? Well, basically he says that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. But my point at this, in, in this story, when it says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a fulfillment of the promise, right? What was, it, what was he about to do? To testify to, 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 to the resurrection of Jesus. Now, those of you who are theologians and, st- and know Greek and have studied the text, you know that the word for, for, for being filled here, pleru, um, no, it's pimplemi, sorry. And it's in a form that is present tense. No, I'm confusing. It's aorist. Thank you. I'm looking at Ulf. He's shaking his hand. Um, so, so the word, and in, in, and in Greek, present tense means that it's continual. No, no, sorry. I'm confusing with the next. It's aorist. It means that it's something that happens, but then it ceases. Sorry. So basically, Peter is there, he's being held accountable, and then as he's about to witness, an infilling of the Holy Spirit occurs. Now, it doesn't mean that he didn't have the Holy Spirit, but the, 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 the Holy Spirit filled him and manifest in him and through him in a way that carried power to his testimony. And the, the form and shape of, 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 of the Greek word actually implicates that when the the mission of of testifying was done, then he was just back to being normally filled. Yeah? So what does that tell us today? Well, it tells you and me that whenever we are in a situation where we get to point to Jesus in our lives and we testify and we witness to his coming, something happens. And that's why I shouldn't have been surprised by the answer of this lady. Does that make sense? Because when I testify to Jesus, when I talk about leadership, who can talk credibly about leadership without referring to the most influential leader of our time, you know, that has influenced um, our planet more than anyone else? So, of course, I talked about Jesus. And I just forgot that as I did that, there was a filling and empowerment to that testimony that ministered to this lady's heart so that when the question came, I shouldn't have been surprised at all. Something had worked in her. Does that make sense? So she was ready to, 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 for that question. But then all these doubts came in. And I needed more empowerment. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll see what else there is to the promise. <clears throat> so why does God give the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus in Luke 4, 18 says, The Spirit of Yahweh is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, 
and proclaim uh, the year of Yahweh, of Yahweh's favor. So, the, the giving of the Holy Spirit is for a purpose, is for a mission of ministering to the poor, setting free the oppressed. Any of you know anybody who's oppressed? That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know? Recovery of sight for the blind could represent everybody who has anything that has been stored by the fall that needs to be healed and restored. And the year of the Lord's favor. Now, what is, where does this scripture come from? The Luke 4.18 passage? Well, he's in the synagogue in Nazareth reading from Isaiah 61, the prophecy about him. Which, by the way, Jesus himself inspired. Why? Because all the scriptures are inspired by God, and God and Jesus has always been around. Let me ask you a question. When did God become a trinity? Have you thought about that? You know, I hear some, sometimes people say that, well, I love Jesus because he's all good and gracious, but I don't like the God of the Old Testament. Well, and then, then you kind of think that, well, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, right? When did God become Trinitarian? So if you, if you, read, the, the, you read John 1, uh, in the beginning was the Word. <laughs> and I, I, that's what I, why I loved about this, the, the teaching this week, that it really reinforced the, the notion that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has been present since the creation of the world. It was a, an act of love of Trinity. And so the Holy Spirit has, is, it goes through all of the Old Testament. And Jesus and the Father are, are crafting the vision for the Messiah to come. So, but there is one thing that he leaves out, which is in the text in Isaiah. What is that? Actually, in the Old Testament, it says also that there is a coming, a day of vengeance from our Lord, right? But Jesus doesn't, re- doesn't quote that. He leaves it out. Why is that? Because it's not for them. Why? Because he took the wrath of God upon himself so that we can enjoy the, 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 Lord's, uh, the jubilee and the day of the Lord's favor. He took upon himself the sin and the consequences and the wrath of God, the righteous uh, justice of God for all our sin. Um, so what does is, what is the Holy Spirit do? Well, we know, as we know, it empowers, for the, it empowers the witness, but it, it also convicts of sin. And we need to really, as pastors and leaders, be courageous to talk about sin. Why? Because it's the essence of, of why God had to send his son. So I think it was Ari who said uh, on, in the first sermon uh, at, at the camp that sin basically is violation of purpose. It's missing the mark, right? And, uh, and, but there is a difference between uh, condemnation and, and, and conviction, 
And, and the Holy Spirit always convicts us of sin out of grace because it's a spirit of grace and holiness. While the enemy brings condemnation. And it's really important to see the distinction between these two things. That fuzzy feeling that sort of distorts even your sense of identity is never from God. But the pinpointed conviction of sin is the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, every, I have my morning rituals that is, is just, you know, disciplines that I've cultivated over the years that ha- allow me to live a very free life in the kingdom. You know, I don't know if you, anybody, any of you like disciplines. <laughs> the word for some is very like, ooh. I think disciplines are good. Because it allows you, it's, uh, discipline is actually something you do today that allows you to, to do easily tomorrow, something that you didn't do yesterday. So disciplines creates a space for the Holy Spirit to work. And that's, it's been like that for many years for me. So I always start my, my, my day with, with grinding some really good coffee beans. And then I get into my, my good chair and I open my Bible and then I worship. And everybody, you know, some of you know that I, I, I also work in the corporate world. I work in a company. And everybody in my company knows that I start every day with my cup of coffee in my quiet time in my chair. And I was one, uh, just some months ago, talking to, uh, to another colleague about this. And, 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 and so she asked, what do you do? And I said, well, I worship God. <laughs> That's what I do. And here's why. Because if I don't worship the Creator, my default is to worship the created. And that's what Paul says in Romans 1.25. They, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they served and worshipped created things rather than the Creator, who is for, forever praised on man. That was the essence of the sin, uh, of, of the fall, is that we shifted the authority in our lives from God to be worshipped to us. And it's interesting. I don't know how many people you talk to who don't share yours or our convictions and faith, but a lot of them are very intrigued by the idea that they're, they actually they consider themselves as God. Have you noticed that in some? A lot of new religious ideas picking from here and there, and at the end of the day, they're making themselves God. But that's actually what we do all all the time when we uh, give in to temptation. We rebel against God's authority and the worship of God. And we start worshiping ourselves. Um, so one one of my other of my disciplines, as I I always start with worship, and then I pray um, Psalm one thirty nine verse twenty three. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious ways. See if there is any. And, uh, uh, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me and see if there are any offensive ways in me. And lead me in the ways everlasting. That's a profound prayer. See, Holy Spirit, if there is any offensive way in me. 
Have I allowed, allowed pride into my life? Have I allowed an ad, a, a negative attitude towards people in my life? And in that sense, devaluing some, but something that you have given eternal value? Do I give in to, th- to, to gossip at work? You know? And then, then I study the word because I think whatever you fill your mind with is going to affect your mindset. Do you agree? And it's quite alarming that we spend way more time on Facebook, Instagram, uh, all kinds of web pages than in the Word of God meditating on this. But this is my, this is my anchor. This is my compass. And then I dialogue with the Lord in my chair. And then I get in my car if I'm going to the office. And then I continue. And I don't know how it is with you, but disciplines has always been nice. So at certain points, I pass things. Then, then it reminds me and it puts me into a mode of things. So somewhere on my way to work, I start confessing um, Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And what is the gospel? Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I confess it out aloud in the car. Today, I'm not ashamed of Jesus because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness for God is revealed, it says. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. It doesn't rest on our efforts or anything. And I trust that in my confessions, in, my, in these routines and disciplines that I have, the Holy Spirit is working. And as I'm, I'm, I'm confessing these things... Um, He's showing me things about the people I'm going to meet. Another thing I, I, I confess regularly in the morning, usually in, in my car, is this. I'm the light of the world. <gasps> I, I'm sure you wondered who it was. Well, it's me. How can I do that? Because Jesus said so. Now, if, it, it, if, if being the light of the world wasn't really the work of the Holy Spirit, it would be kind of arrogant, right? But I think that we should be as truthful as, as you know, with those truths of God's identity in us as everything else and confess it. I'm the light of the world. What does that mean? Well, it means that I don't cast shadow on things or people. I don't hide things. I don't manipulate, you know. Now, am I living up to all that all the time? Certainly not. But at least it sets me in a mode in that day, knowing that the moment I walk into my office, the light of the world is there. The light is on. The moment I come in to to work with my clients, the light is on, you know. And then we have a, we have small groups at Vintage Vineyard, and, and sometimes when we pray for each other, um, we commit to things and, and we ask and we make ourselves accountable. 
You know, so a while back, this was actually during Corona, so we were doing this digital, um, digital groups. But this particular executive group at a, at a company that I was working with, they wanted to meet physically just with enough space. So there were about five of them. And we had small group digitally on Monday or something, and then I was going to meet with this group the following morning. And as we were praying for each other, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, tomorrow I want you to prophesy over all those leaders in that meeting. And, um, and so I, I shared it with the group. And uh, I knew the moment I share it that I'm going to do it, they're going to ask me next week, right? So that's a good thing. For those of you who are a little, you know, chicken... Share it with some people you trust because, because uh, that will help you along the, the way. And, uh, and, and just trusting the Holy Spirit. The following morning, I was sitting down and I had this my little remarkable with me and I had the names of the, 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 the leaders that I was, was going to meet. And I said, Holy Spirit, now what? How do you see them? And then I was writing it down. And then I came to them and I to this group, and, and they, even this group, th- these people know that I have a quiet time. So I said, this morning, I just want to share some of the things that, that, that God showed me about you guys when, when, when I was preparing for today. Do you mind if I share? And it was quite remarkable. Have you, any of you prophesied in a secular group like that? And, uh, and, and as, as I was sharing, they were all like, Wow. And nodding because it was affirming things that they knew of each other because I'm not in their daily work. I'm just, you know, an advisor and consultant. It's quite remarkable. So um, God empowers us to, 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 to preach the good news to the poor and to, to set the captives free. He convicts us of sin. He empowers our identity as light of the world. And he empowers us to, resi- to resist temptations. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And I loved what Colleen was sharing at the Bible study the other day. Pray for empowerment to resist temptations. And God has promised that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And so we can, we can pray for that. But it's also helpful, I've found that it's helpful to know some indicators of how, the, how the, 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 our enemy works when he's tempting us. So here's the first indicator. I'm going to give you five. The first indicator is this. Did God really say? Have you read that? Did God really say? So that's sort of the narrative that goes through the whole of, is it really that bad? You know? And so the story in the the, the Garden of Eden, of course, God says you can enjoy everything, but this tree, when you eat of this, you will die. And then the serpent comes and says, did God really say that? Surely, and then after the, after the, um, uh, the did God really say, then comes the lie. No, you won't die. 
and then the temptation in the garden, which is actually the core temptation that we have that feeds into our pride is, no, 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 you won't die. You will be like God. And that's why Paul says in Romans 125, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they served and worshiped created things rather than the creator. So do you recognize that voice? Did God really say? Are you sure it's that bad? Yeah? Secondly, another indicator number two, enjoy now, pay later. Quick fix. Instant gratification. Except that, of course, the enemy doesn't say pay later. He just says enjoy now. Number three. Indicator number three, that voice that says, how can it be wrong when it feels so good? Anybody experience that one? How can it be wrong when it feels so good? That is a huge indicator of, 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 of the enemy, as though your f- current feeling is the objective standard for God's holiness. <laughs> how can it be wrong when it feels so good. Number four, and this, this is really one that, I've, that, that, that breaks my heart, when I, especially when I've, I've heard and read about um, spiritual leaders that have a, lot, have a huge impact and trust. The, there's this voice that tells them, you deserve it. You deserve it. You know, a leader I respected, an international, well-known, apologetic leader, it was after his death found that he had, you know, had a big-time moral failure. And, and he allowed himself to think that, well, I've, I'm serving the Lord so hard and so passionately, so a little bit of sexual relief, I deserve it. And then he was betraying uh, his savior, and also devaluing the women that God had entrusted in his his uh, influence. It's really painful um, to know about. And then the last one, and it's not really an indicator, but this is this is one that you know when we leave here and we are all fired up to to change the world. And I'm actually going to refer to a passage on this one. Um, it's, it's, uh, I can give you the principle. Sacrifice instead of obedience. Sacrifice instead of obedience. So the story goes like this. Samuel, in 1 Samuel 15, he, he commissions King Saul to go after the Amalekites. And he says, but you should destroy everything. Don't keep anything. And then Saul keeps some of the goods. And Samuel hears about it and comes and approaches Saul and asks, you know, what happened? And he says, well, I kept some, but I I made a sacrifice for the Lord. And then you have these uh, famous but painful words from from the prophet. Um, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of Yahweh? To obey is better than sacrifice, 
and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. And the consequence of this was that he was rejected as king. I think this is a quite a significant one for us, isn't it? The Holy Spirit says, do this. And then we don't feel like it or we feel it's risky and we may risk looking stupid. But I'll give a little bit more in my tie this week or I'll do something else. I'll replace that obedience with some sacrifice. And you see the pattern of this in families where parents, rather than prioritizing time with their children, they, they compensate with buying things for them. That's the principle. You see this one? Are you with me? I know that I'm going to I'm going to try not to keep this very long. So so um so the Holy Spirit is given to, uh, for us to resist temptations. And then also Ephesians 1 says that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So the fact that we have our, the Holy Spirit with us is a de- deposit of the fact that we are inherited, uh, we, we, we have an inheritance in the kingdom. Okay, so that's for the promise. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then, the, then, then you have the command, Ephesians 5.18. Paul says, do not get drunk with wine. That leads to stupid actions, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at this point, he's using a different Greek word for fill, but it means the same. And this time, he uses the present tense, (laughs) which basically is a continuous filling. And he says, you need to make sure that you're being filled and filled and filled. And when you're filled, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the next thing you need to do is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Continuous. And it's quite interesting that he puts it in contrast to, to do not get drunk with wine. You know? Because the filling of the Holy Spirit is so counter to that kind of intoxication you get with alcohol. You know, that one of the te- it's actually not a temptation for me. But, but when I go to summer parties, Christmas parties at our company, um, I am the only one who does not get drunk. Why? Well, because Paul says don't do it. <laughs> now, I enjoy a good glass of wine, but I always stop before I feel any intoxication. And, and, uh, and Paul later in, 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 in Galatians contrasts one of the things, uh, drunkenness, with the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit, what is that? Self-control. And so I just know that my ability or my capacity to be the light of the world is very limited if I'm drunk. And I say things and I can do things that would violate the purposes of God. So this is actually a command. And so that's one of the things that I thank Jesus for every day. Thank you, Jesus, for filling me with your Holy Spirit. And that's actually one of my confessions as well. I have a long other discipline of a confession where I actually just confess that I'm spirit-filled, regardless of how I feel. 
And sometimes I don't know it before I actually step in, out and witness or I step out and pray for somebody. That's when I see the evidence sometimes. So to the third point, so we have the promise, we have the, the, the command, and then finally we have the evidence. And the first evidence is, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you should, you should judge the tree by, by its fruits. So what does what Paul say in Galatians 5.22? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, faith, and, and self-control. So if you ever feel that you're impatient, come Holy Spirit. <laughs> if your husband or wife feels you're impatient, come Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Are you lacking joy in life? Come Holy Spirit. Are you lacking peace in your life? Come Holy Spirit. It's the fruit. And you know, I think when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the manifest presence of the Trinity is meeting people. You know, one of the generosity is one of the core values we have at Vintage Vineyard. Generosity. Generous lives. So we we lean in to being generous with our finances, with our resources, with our time. But I've actually learned one thing that the, that in our day there's one thing that really really stands out to me as generosity. Do you know what that is? Attention. that when you're talking to somebody and they're actually paying attention and caring and being present with you. Have you noticed that? And, uh, and I think when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we just become, and we are aware of His presence, then we also start loving and seeing the people in front of us the way He sees them. You know, Yahweh means uh, I am. He's the eternal present presence. You know? Anyone, have any one of you ever encount, been a, had an encounter where, with Jesus and is looking at his cell phone? You know? Or, or looking at something else? No, you always encounter his presence and his attention, Right? And I think that's one of the gifts that we as followers of Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit can offer to people. It's like, I see you. And I don't only see you, I actually love you the way Jesus loves you. It's powerful. Regardless of what you do and what your background is, whatever it is. But we are carriers of the presence and we give that, offer that as a gift. Secondly, and another evidence of the, of, 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 the, uh, of, of the Spirit is unity of the Spirit, Ephesians 4. It's the Holy Spirit that brings the, the unity that we feel at this camp. It's not only a psychological, familial thing. It's actually work of the Holy Spirit. We are united. And it grieves me when we have conflicts and and and. and, and uh, deviations in our churches that are sometimes just so unnecessary. 
the Holy Spirit works for unity and love and care for one another, being humble and trusting each other, thinking the best for, uh, of the other, choosing to do that. And it, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And worship. Any of you uh, had a good time in worship this week? Yeah. And whenever you encounter real worship, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. <laughs> do you know that? Yes, he release, he's being released through worship, but he is also the one who generates and creates authentic worship in our lives. And then it's also the Holy Spirit that drives us towards acts of obedience. In Philippians 2.13, Paul says, For it is God who works in you to both will and to do according to his purposes. So if you ever have a desire to do something uh, kingdomish, <laughs> that is, is, is godly, then it's actually, it's, it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's the, the Holy Spirit working in you. And then finally, he's the one who, who builds that trust in Jesus. And also the trust that we need to have between us. And trust is really the bottom line in a family. It's a, trust is the bottom line in any relationship. Trust is the bottom line in leadership. Trust is the bottom line in um, exercising any, any of our, our spiritual gifts. And so we have to be truthfully loving and lovingly truthful as we are encountering people. And so, so this book here, these words are inspired by the Spirit. And, and because it is, it's authority for our lives. And that makes us quite different because the rest of the world does not put authority in these words. They put authority in all kinds of things. But as a movement and as followers of Jesus, we put our trust in the words here. And so we have to be diligent to try to understand, and especially in our times when there are so many controversial, sensitive, charged uh, political things going on. We don't have to politicize things, but we need to, by the help of the Holy Spirit, discern what is the will of the Father. Does that make sense? So... Um, it's been a long day. It's been a long meeting. I want just to pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And I've asked some of my friends to come up. Um, you can wait a little, uh, just another minute. Um, first of all, I want us to pray. Um, for, I want to pray for those of you who want to say yes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. But with that yes... I'm also asking for a yes to a life of obedience. Jesus says that loving me is saying yes to a life of obedience and exchanging sacrifice for obedience. So when God is entrusting us his Holy Spirit, he trusts that we would steward it with obedience. <laughs> that make sense? Um, and so... so um, why don't my, those whom I've talked to, my, I've asked some friends who are, who are gifted in certain uh, giftings, have, a, have a, an anointing for certain things that I think the Lord wants to release. So I've asked them to come here. You know, in Ephesians 4.11, Paul says that 
It is he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And why? Well, in order to equip the saints. So I've asked some of my friends who are really gifted in some areas to pray over us. And uh, we'll do that for, uh, for ministry. Please come up here and, and uh, bring the mic with you. So first I want to pray a general prayer. And so, so um, if, if you desire to be f- just filled with the Holy Spirit, why don't you just stand and we'll pray just for an infilling of the Holy Spirit to begin with, and then we can sit after that, and then we'll address different giftings that I think are present in the, r- the room that we would just want to see a more powerful um, anointing in our movement. So why don't you want to stretch your, out your hands? Holy Spirit, please come. Holy Spirit, please come. We say yes to your promise of being filled. We say yes to being your witnesses. We say yes to life of obedience in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Fill everyone. Fill them. Fill them with love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We bless you with faithfulness, gentleness. We bless you with self-control. And we bless you with the power to preach the good news to the poor. To bring recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Come, Holy Spirit, come. 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 